shouted down the aisle at that old country church in the sweet by and by we shall meet on that beautiful shore in the sweet by and by we shall meet on that beautiful shore Yeah, 
stand as we continue our time of worship by singing, Let the Redeemed of the Lord Say So. 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 Unredeemed, unredeemed, praise the Lord. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Unredeemed, unredeemed, praise the Lord. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. I think we need to do that again. Some of you were wondering where we were. So let's do that again from the very beginning. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Intro ready now. Redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Unredeemed, unredeemed, praise the Lord. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for the opportunity for us to come and worship you today. Thank you for the inspiration of the music, for the faithful voices that have led us in worship. For this time that the congregation can sing together, and I pray, Father, that our words are not mere words, but come from the depths of our heart with meaning to give you the only one that we worship, honor, praise, and glory. And I pray that this morning, through every element of this worship, that we have not only prepared our hearts, but Father, we will hear from you, and that we'll respond in that time of invitation, whatever that response is, to give you honor and glory. So Father, today, let this be your day, and let our hearts celebrate with joy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Welcome to First Baptist Church, Sun City West. We appreciate you being here today, and for those that are on live stream, thank you and welcome. We uh, ask you, if you would, if this is the very first time you've been here, there's a guest card in the pew in front of you. Just fill that out its entirety, and when you leave today, uh, just drop that in the offering boxes at each exit. We would certainly appreciate that. We are looking forward to a wonderful time of worship. Our focal psalm today is the 84th. I hope you'll be mindful of what the psalmist has to say. In the meantime, let's continue and sing what the hymn writers have given us, a wonderful time of worship. 
glorious is thy name, O Lord. And then Jesus is your name. Take the name of Jesus with you. Let's sing.
Good morning. Everybody ready for the big game today? I'm talking about the golf game, not that other thing that's going on. Yeah. Come on, we got to be at the right place, right? We're here. It's good to see you all here this morning. So happy to see the smiling faces. Would you join with me in prayer, please? Our dear Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day. We're thankful for the rain that you brought our way. We're thankful for the sunshine that followed. Lord, you have blessed us with many blessings. And one is right here, hearing your songs this morning, this beautiful choir, for the joy that it brings to our hearts. We thank you, Father, for all these many blessings and many more. We ask you to be with our members and friends who are not well today. Bless them with your presence and your strength. Be with our pastor now as he brings your message, dear Father. For it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.
Our next hymn is taken directly from Psalm 84. I invite you to stand again as we sing together, Better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. Thank you. 
It certainly is my privilege to read with you today our scripture, which comes from Psalms 84. If you are able, would you stand as we read God's holy word together? How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. We are blessed by the sharing of this psalm because these are the words of the Lord.
Thank you, Pat. So the 84th Psalm. It is a powerful passage of scripture. And I think one that guides us step by step, the longing for the Lord. I remember when I was about six or seven years old, uh, Bethel Baptist Church in Alamogordo, New Mexico, my father was pastoring there. And uh, I always sat by my mom. I don't know if I was just a little rambunctious or what, but she always had me sit beside her. And uh, she knew how to take care of any kind of uh, extra activity that I might have had. <clears throat> but for the first time, she allowed me to go and sit by a group of friends that I had. And I thought, man, this is the greatest thing in the world. I have a little freedom now. But you know, as the service continued on, I kept looking over at my mom sitting by herself. And there was something inside of me that just had this longing. And in fact, the thought came to me at this age, wow, what if my mom were to die? And it broke my heart. And so during the prayer time, I went from far back in that corner and I quietly walked all the way while the prayer was going on until I came and I sat right beside my mom. Everybody opened their eyes. I was there. My mom looked at me and she smiled. What happened? What was, what was the reason for that? Well, obviously I loved my mom, right? But I longed to be sitting beside her. The thought of the possible loss, even though there was no external reason for having that thought. In fact, she lived a lot of years later. <laughs> but there was something there. I think that probably all of us, to some degree or another, have had that kind of feeling about someone or something. Do you remember being homesick at any point? When we feel that sense, that homesickness as such, it has this idea of being away from home in a strange place that creates this longing for the familiar and the friendly. The psalmist had been away from the place where he usually met with God. And so he writes this psalm with this sense of longing. He expresses the longing to come back to the place where he and God had their conversations, where they could meet. He acknowledged, in fact, that the return was a process. It was a pilgrimage. It didn't happen at the snap of the finger. When you come back to the place where you have met God before, after you have been away, there are obstacles in that return. But there's got to be a desire to return to that place. And when you desire to return to the place where you have met God, I promise that faith overcomes every obstacle until you arrive back at that place. So the psalmist, I believe, gives us some lessons for our journey, our pilgrimage back into his presence. 
Longing begins with a desire for the place to meet God. Longing for God begins with this sense of yearning. This yearning to, to recover the place where you last experienced him. And I mean where you really had that experience with him. It's probably just me, but there will be times when I will walk into a room in our house and I'll stop for a moment and I'll wonder, what did I come to get or what did I come in here for? Am I alone in that? Okay, all right. I, I figured we were family together. <laughs> Usually I have to go back where the thought originated and then I'll say, oh, yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> that's what it was. Well, I, I think for some reason the psalmist had been away from that place. And there was probably this sense that he was wondering now, why am I away? I couldn't remember. And so he has this desire to go back to the place where he experienced God in a powerful way. And for him, it was the temple. Although we no longer meet God at the temple, we can spiritually identify with the psalmist's desire to return to the place of conversation of the living God, where we interact with him and he speaks to us in such a bold way and we have this sensitive heart that we want that kind of intimacy. In fact, the words almost are those of a love poem in the first verse where he says, how lovely is your dwelling place. I think longing for God creates an intensity of spirit. Verse 2, he says, My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. The very words that he writes express passion that this person is seeking God. My soul yearns. He yearns for that sense, that sense that he literally grows pale with expectancy he faints and is consumed with the desire to find God that he's been out in this wilderness type but but here comes this sense that I've got to get back to God I want that conversation I want that relationship that I have had his inward longing now becomes a loud cry for God it's his total personhood that's involved in this crying out. His soul, his heart, his flesh, all of him now desires to be back in the presence of God with that absolutely amazing interaction. You right now have as much of God as you intensely want. James 4, 8 says, draw near to me, to God and he will draw near to you listen to the words as intensely as you want and desire God is to the same degree how much God will draw near to you so if you want God just to be in his presence and him to be speaking to you on Sunday morning that's the intensity he's gonna have 
and that's how he'll draw near to you. But the rest of the week, you say, I'm not on my own. That's a problem. But if your life is consumed with the desire to be in the presence of God and to be near to God, he is going to give you every single ounce. He says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He promises that. But you have to take that step. Not only is longing for God, does it create an intimacy and intensity of spirit, but also longing for God reflects on the integrity of intention. Look at verse 2 again. He says, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. The psalmist, psalmist wants absolutely nothing less than the living God. He doesn't want ritual. He doesn't want an idol. He doesn't want just a service. What he wants is the living God. And although there is this idea and understanding that he wants to go to the temple, the temple was only a means of connecting with the living God, with meeting with him. It was not the end in itself. He is not longing for the house of God as much as for the God whose house it is. And that should cause us pause. Do we come to his house because that's the thing to do? Or do we come to his house to meet him? To hear from him we don't come or give to the church as an end in itself all of its organization all of its ministry and mission is worse than nothing if it doesn't lead us to the living God it merely becomes a ritual in the old envelopes we used to use just the checking off of the things that I did we could come to this place and see everyone and be as happy as we could be and never interact with the living God. And how tragic would that be? In addition, longing for God reveals the intimacy of desire. You know, lovers envy anything that is close to their loved one. The psalmist envies the sparrows because they built a nest in the temple. In verse 3 he says, Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord God, my King and my God. These small creatures, they have found a place near to God. And the psalmist is envious of that because somehow, for some reason, he has drifted off. But now there's this intense desire, this amazing desire to be back intimate with God, to have those kinds of conversations. He longs to be close to God like those mere birds are in the temple. I think that we should desire a closeness and an intimacy with God. And I think it ought to match this beautiful scene that the psalmist paints for us. 
we have the opportunity with not only our passion, but with our desire to be close to God. And that's what he wants. That's why he sent the greatest gift to us ever through his son Jesus Christ because he wanted us to have that relationship once again that we once had and we failed. We sinned and broke that relationship. And He desires us through Christ to come back to him. And as we continue on in our lives, our spiritual lives. He wants that relationship to grow to a deeper and deeper level. Also, longing continues with the discovery of the process to meet God. The psalmist said, to walk with God is a journey. It's a pilgrimage. And those who really set their hearts on God, you have to be ready for that journey. Some of you uh, take long trips. Some of you uh, enjoy cruises. Or you pack your, your RVs or you pack your cars and, and you go for a journey. And if your list is like my list, it's long. Where I have to check off. Okay, we got that, we got that, right? We have to be ready. We have to be prepared. And the psalmist is giving us an understanding that for this journey to have this kind of intimate relationship with God, this pilgrimage, that we have to be ready. The psalmist has a, a beatitude for those who set their hearts on the pilgrimage. Look at verses 4 and 5. This beatitude here says, Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. You see, on the journey, you will overcome obstacles. There will be obstacles on the way on your journey back into that intimacy with God, but you can overcome every single one of them. Longing for God transforms barren places, the scripture says. Every single moment, as you know, is not just this light and joy on the journey, is it? In our spiritual lives, it, it's just not always a happy place. The world throws all kinds of things at us. The obstacles are there. Sometimes our time, spiritually, is arid and dry. Look what the psalmist says in the first part of verse 6. He says, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. In a, little, a, a literal journey to the temple, pilgrims passed through this valley of Baca. This refers to a, a waterless, barren valley on the road to Jerusalem. In the psalmist's mind, the road to Jerusalem, we, it's a journey to get back to the temple. It's a beautiful symbolism for us as we strive to move back into that intimate relationship with God that, you know, as we go about this journey or this pilgrimage, there are going to be some very desolate places. And what are we going to do with that? He, he says... In this terrible witnesses, they dug down to find water to the springs in the desert. I find this interesting. 
that the pilgrims on the way back to Jerusalem to meet God, that they've, in the difficult, barren times, with their own hands, they would dig down to where the springs were so that there would be the life-giving water. It shows me that on our journey back, it's not an easy road. It takes work and it takes sweat on this journey. It takes intensity. It takes determination. If you walk with God, you'll have to have the faith that dares to dig blessings out of hardships. When you come against the hardships in your spiritual life on your way back to that intimacy with God, you've got to work through it. You've got to dig through it. You've got to understand, I can find these blessings no matter how dark or how bleak the time is. But along with a personal initiative of, of digging for those springs ourselves, you're going to find the sudden blessings that only God can provide. The psalmist went on to say, the autumn rains also cover it with pools. So in this arid, difficult time in the valley of Baca, in your spiritual journey where there are all those dry times and you're just not sure if you can overcome those, you have to intentionally work through it. Take everything that you have and guide yourself through it with God's word and with prayer and with determination. And he says, not only that, but God himself will bring you special blessings like the autumn rains that provide the pools of water in the valley of Baca. There's a combination here. God expects you to do everything that you can with that desire to meet him. And he promises to continue to intervene. After the dry times in life, suddenly the showers of blessings fall with living water. I like what the hymn writer wrote, showers of blessings, showers of blessings we need. Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. In your dry times, you can either make the decision that, you know what, it's not worth it, or I'm going to hang it up. I'm going to decide not to move forward. I'm just going to stay right where I'm at. Or you can say, no, you know what? I'm going to have a determination. I'm going to move forward. Because I know with everything that I have, even though I, I'm not sure I want to, the passion and the blessings will come from God. If I'm faithful to him, I can overcome these obstacles. So in your journey with God, there will be obstacles interrupted by blessings. Also longing for God experiences renewed resources. In verse 7 he says, They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Instead of fainting in the journey, you actually can find renewed strength. Even in the darkest times, you can see God's blessings, but you are renewed to move on. In life's processes of aging, 
You know as well as I do that we slow down mentally and physically, right? Yeah, yeah, we, we are definitely family. <laughs> but in the spiritual dimensions, in our spiritual growth, in our spiritual maturity, the closer we are to the goal of seeing Jesus and, and interacting with him and having that intimate conversation with him, the stronger we will be. We are charged from one degree of glory to the next. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3.18, And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The older we get, the more passionate we are about the intimacy with God and staying with Him and understanding Him and having that desire to be near to Him and Him near to us all of a sudden changes things to where we become more and more spiritually mature if we desire as we grow older. So while our physical and mental abilities may decrease our spiritual power, and resource increases if we have that kind of passion for the Lord. The last thing I want to say is longing for results in the direct presence of God himself. The psalmist addresses that. Our yearning for the divine will not disappoint us. There's absolutely no basic hunger in human life that is unmet by God. The psalmist said when he wrote this psalm that the one who has the ambition to know God and takes the journey to approach God will experience a rival with God. That's his journey. And he's telling us that can be our journey. The direct presence of God may be expressed by a contrast. Time in God's presence is better than any other time, as we have already heard and read. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I love what Matt Redmond wrote. My heart and flesh cry out, for you are the living God. Come once again to me. I will draw near to you, for better is one day in your courts better is one day in your house than thousands elsewhere and so there is this plea come near to me i want you to i open my heart and my life i have passion for you so my question to you is can you honestly confess that your time with god is quantitatively better than any other time that you have. And only you can address that. Is your time with God in your Bible study or your devotion time, your conversation with Him, your time alone with Him, is it better than any other time in your day? If not, you're on the journey. And so continue on. 
till that actually is what happens. For the place of God's presence is better than any other place. Verse 10, he says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. He said, you know what? Let me just, let me just put an exclamation point here. I'm not looking for position in heaven with God. I want the intimate relationship. So you know what? I'm okay with the threshold of the kingdom of God. I'll stay there. I'll be the doorkeeper. I am just fine with that. I'd rather do that than live a star-studded life with the wicked. The lowest place with God is better than the highest place with the wicked. Sometimes that gets messed around in our lives, in this life. Sometimes we'd rather have position or title. Or we'd rather hang around with groups of other people that we seem to have a temporary fun with rather than have our time with God and our intimacy with God. And the psalmist was there. He had been in that relationship with God and somehow, for whatever reason, he had, he had moved from that into a more dry, arid time in his life. And now he was seeking to come back and he was on the journey to do that even at his stage of life. How would you rather spend your time and at what place in this season of your life? The direct presence of God may be expressed by contrast, but also confession. You can confess that God is your provider and your protector because he is indeed provider. Here alone in the Old Testament is God called Son, the Son, S-U-N. In verse 11 he says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The sun we just kind of take for granted, don't we? We didn't take it for granted in Seattle when I was there for all those years. We loved the sun breaks. <laughs> here in Arizona, we just take it for granted. The sun's going to be here. But the sun communicates itself in life and heat and energy. It comes up new every single day, and yet it is the same. And the psalmist is saying that's how God is. He, he is going to communicate life and that heat and that energy to us. And, and he, he's going to come up every morning and he's going to be new as we, as we have our encounter with him. And it's going to be so exciting. And by the way, he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He describes him well. God provides with the same qualities as the Son to each one who is seeking him with passion. And he's our shield. He stands for all that protects and all. He's the one who renders our foes inaccessible. He takes care of us if we'll allow him to. So your longing for God can lead to the confession that God is everything that you need. And there's this yearning to get back into that intimate relationship with him on an ongoing basis. So the challenge is to begin the journey. 
begin the journey where you are today. Overcome the obstacles that will happen with your faith and encounter his presence. There's nothing like the presence of God. The intimacy that you have. And if you do that, the psalmist concludes with a powerful statement. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who whose walk is blameless. Blessed is the one who trusts in you, Lord Almighty. If you will strive to walk blameless before him, meaning not a perfect life, but a life whose passion is seeking after him with everything that you have, on that journey to have the greater and deeper intimacy with him, if you will do that, he will never withhold any blessing from you. Doesn't might mean that you'll be the wealthiest person in the world. That's not what he's talking about. But spiritual blessing he will provide for you. He'll take care of you. He'll fill you. And we grow more and more spiritually mature as we grow in our age until the day that we see Jesus. Isn't that what you want? Father, we move into our time of invitation and we just specifically ask you, help us not to move away from this invitation without making some kind of decision to be in your presence, to be on that journey. And Father, I pray whatever decision needs to be made by any of us, that it would be a point of rededication right where we are right now. Whether that's a private commitment to you or whether that's a public commitment, Father, I pray we would choose to say, yes, I want to be on that journey now. And so, God, I commit myself to that journey, overcoming the obstacles and being in your presence because that's what I long for. Father, if there are other decisions to be made today, speak to the hearts that people come. May your will be done. Help us to respond and have our lives changed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please stand, and as God leads you, you come to this time of commitment.
Let's be seated for just a moment, if you would. I want to uh, call attention to uh, the insert in your bulletin as we get ready to launch a brand new year of the Watchman Prayer Ministry. We've had uh, somewhere around 60 to 70 faithful followers, uh, prayer warriors, that over this last year have taken an hour each week. Uh, so it's about 60, 70 hours every week praying for our church's ministries, revival, and spiritual awakening. And uh, starting next Sunday, you're going to sign up for a brand new year. Uh, the, uh, the board will be out in the foyer. We'll have people there to help you sign up for an hour. And uh, I just encourage you, please. Take the opportunity. Prayer and that intimacy with God is powerful. We provide all the resources you'll need to pray for an hour. And to uh, you say, well, I don't know, preacher. I, I, uh, I, I pray about 10, 15 minutes, but I get tired. <laughs> I promise you, if you'll let us help you, your prayer life will be able to be extended. And so be praying about that. All the information is in that uh, insert. So I, I, would, I would ask you to look at that. Uh, and we have a, a special guest uh, who has come uh, this Sunday. We appreciate uh, Dr. Gary Hollinsworth. Gary uh, was the uh, executive director of the South Carolina Southern Baptist Convention, whatever the official name was, for a number of years. Uh, recently retired, and uh, now he is, uh, he is uh, helping with Mission Dignity at, uh, at our Guidestone. And our church is such a great supporter of Mission Dignity. He's in town for a meeting and uh, wanted to just come and uh, show express his gratitude and mission dignity is a gratitude as well so if you wouldn't mind Gary I would appreciate that thank you very much absolutely thank you so much uh, Dr. Kennedy and, and let me just first and foremost say thank you for that powerful word from the word today oh my goodness it has uh, been a blessing to uh, my life this morning and my wife Gwen and I we have come all the way from Birmingham Alabama really to say two words thank you but I'm a Baptist preacher, so I'm going to say a little bit more than that, but not much more than that. I do want to say thank you to your pastor and also to Carol Sweeney back there. Carol was my first uh, contact and connection, and uh, I'm grateful for her as well. But mainly I want to say thank you, First Baptist Church, Sun City West, for your ongoing support of Mission Dignity. If you don't know uh, a lot about Mission Dignity, that, that's okay. I want to take just a brief moment to tell you a couple of things about it. Uh, it is, of course, a ministry of Guidestone that provides dignity for retirement-aged ministers and or their widows who are near or below. Listen to this. They are living at or below the poverty level. And I know you may think, well, how can that possibly happen? Well, most of our recipients were pastors and ministers who served in very small uh, rural places, and it was not out of any negligence on their own part. Uh, it was just an inability of their churches to care for them perhaps like you're able to care for your pastor and staff. So just a little bit about who we actually serve. There are 2,800 plus current recipients. About 60% of those who are receiving assistance financially today are widows. And about one out of four of those are widows who are over the age of 85 years of age. And I was a little amazed to find out that we actually have two of our current recipients who are over 100 years of age. What a joy. It is that we still get to come alongside of them. Uh, the typical average age when someone becomes a recipient of Mission Dignity, they're usually about 77 and a couple as they begin this journey. But as you might well expect, by the time of age 81, on average, they are now typically a single. And more times than not, 
they are a, a widow of a pastor, a single lady. And so how do we actually assist? What happens with Mission Dignity for those who donate? Well, there are monthly grants that are given. And actually, we, we don't call them grants, uh, Pastor. They, they only, we found that they'll only take it if we'll call it a love offering. They'll understand that. And so we give them a, a monthly love offering between somewhere between $275 a month and up to $750 a month, again, depending on their years of service. At least they have to have at least 10 years uh, or more of Southern Baptist service and also the, the particular need that they have. Uh, uh, an extra blessing that has just started recently is what we call the 13th check. And uh, many of the state conventions, and, and I don't say with this with any braggadocia, for South Carolina Baptist, where I, I, I was able to lead that convention for nearly eight years. But South Carolina, we began, we were the first of the state conventions that began to offer our recipients in South Carolina, whatever they were getting from Mission Dignity 12 times a year, at Christmas, we gave them a 13th check. And uh, Pastor, I remember one of our recipients in South Carolina who uh, reached out to me to say thanks to South Carolina, and it really wasn't me, I just happened to be the representative, but, but I'll never forget this widow, this lady said, it was the first time in years I've been able to buy my grandchildren something for Christmas. And it struck me, exactly, that's your reaction. And I thought, here they are living uh, in desperate needs, but what are they going to do? Spend it on their grandkids. I'm, I'm telling you, it tells you a lot about the heart of our recipients. And we also have a third way that we help, and that is through what's called the Hawkins OS and Susie Hawkins Emergency Fund. And uh, that is an endowment that has been established, and we're trying to grow that endowment so that we can help more. But our recipients can receive up to $3,000 every year annually, one time a year, for needs like dentures or eyeglasses or home repairs or things of that nature. And uh, maybe you might want to say, well, where does all this money come from? Well, the sources of funding are churches just like First Baptist Church, hence why we came from Birmingham to say thank you. So thank you, Sun City First Baptist uh, West, First Baptist Church, Sun City West. Let me get that right there, Brother Kirby. And also individuals who do support. My wife and I have been long individual supporters and continue to be of Mission Dignity. But we also have some funds that come through things like foundations and there are other grants that are made available. And uh, uh, But I want to make sure you don't miss this next statement that I make because no cooperative program funds actually support Mission Dignity. I know people say, why not? Well, we support missions and missionaries with cooperative program. These funds come from those other sources. And the best part is that 100% of every single penny that is given to Mission Dignity goes directly to a recipient. No administrative costs are, are come from those donations. Fortunately, Guidestone set up an endowment uh, to, to really do that, take care of all the administrative needs and the cost. And so, Pastor, thank you for these precious moments that you've allowed uh, me to add. But more than that, uh, we want to say thank you. Thank you for just letting us worship with you here today at First Baptist. It's a long walk to Phoenix from Birmingham, I just want you to know. But Lord willing, we might be back on an airplane. So thank you, Pastor. Ladies, not to be outdone by the Phoenix Open. Tomorrow you are going for mini golf. If you would like to meet here at the church at 945 to go together as a group, 
and then you'll be having lunch at Dairy Queen for Dutch treat afterwards. Also, out in the small lobby, when we're finished here in just a couple of minutes, Lynn Bailey will be there selling tickets for the Spring Fling. At 5 p.m. on Sunday, March the 3rd, we will be enjoying a chicken fried, fried chicken dinner, followed by entertainment by His Messengers. That's a gospel ensemble. Many of you are familiar with them. And we need you to begin buying tickets. Those will be available for the next couple of weeks. And you can also purchase them throughout the week. It doesn't have to be just on Sunday. There's a sign up out there also for the movie, which will be on the 22nd. And we will be seeing War Room. You will not want to miss that if you've not seen it before, even if you have. Let's stand together. And Don King is now going to lead us in our closing prayer. Dear Lord, I come this Sunday evening, dear Lord, to, to give you the praise and honor and glory that you so truly deserve. I pray, Lord, that I may be the Christian you have us to be. And I thank you for your son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who came into the world and paid with his death at Calvary. I thank you for helping me realize that I'm just a sinner saved by the grace of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Yes. Yeah. 